Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground. Alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Matt Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens are coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. And good evening. Thank you so much for being with us here in the sanctuary, the sanctuary of black thought, black solutions, black comfort uh, in the era of Obama. I'm Janice Graham, and I'm your host, and we hope that you will join us in this open mic Saturday night here at Our Common Ground. Most of you regulars know that we don't often have... um, Uh, open mic where everything's on the agenda at our common ground, but we are living in a season where we have to have a very concrete notion about all of the events that are going around us. We invite your calls at 347-838-9800. Tonight at Our Common Ground, as always, you know that I come with an agenda uh, as your host, and uh, tonight we're going to be looking at the issue of stop and frisk laws. The Center for Constitutional Rights describes stop and frisk as the practice by which a police officer initiates a stop of an individual on the street allegedly based on reasonable suspicion of criminal activity. And you have seen a great deal of criticism and response to such policies across this nation, and it has reached an all-time high. And incidents of inappropriate and deadly contact with police officers across the country should be a big concern. Uh, We want to remind you about the case of Ramarley Graham. 
Those kinds of cases are becoming more and more visible in the mainstream media now. And I think strategically, it is a time for us to take responsibility about this kind of law. Also, we're going to be looking at the 80th birthday honoring a brother Dick Gregory. He has been on the scene, on the job for all of my young and adult life. He was born October 12th in 1932, and on this past uh, Friday, he celebrated his 80th birthday. He is an American comedian, social activist, and social critic, writer, and entrepreneur. Uh, he is an influential American comic who used his performance skills to convey to both black and white audiences a political message on civil rights, human rights, and his social satire helped to change the way particularly white Americans perceived African-American comedians long before it was popular to have a race discourse in this country. We'll be sharing with you some of his words. Uh, I am particularly fond of uh, Dick Gregory. He has been a friend to and a voice on this radio program for more than 20 years. I have become concerned over the last maybe 10 years or maybe even five years that we have to preserve and reserve uh, voices like Dick Gregory, the life of Dick Gregory, and I hope that following this show you will share with people who may not know a lot about his life. So Stop and Frisk is going to come up right after we pay homage uh, to Dick Gregory. I, I can tell you um, that uh, Dick Gregory has been a, a real friend, to, especially in our early years, to this program. Um, I had always and still continue to have a very frequent phone um, relationship with Dick Gregory. I did not invite him for tonight, and uh, he and I have talked about him coming to our common ground. Because, you know, I look at our common ground as very much as the town meeting and university on the air. Uh, soon. But one of the reasons that I have not invited him, he has been very, very active on a lot of fronts, uh, very, very vocal uh, during the Trayvon Martin protests. Um, and we need to talk about that a little bit. Um, and his work has, is really 
if you think about someone 80 years old running all over the country, he lives here in Massachusetts, but he spends a great deal of his time in New York and in Washington, D.C. As a matter of fact, he does have a uh, a home in Washington, D.C., where he spends a great deal of his time. Um, he, many people do not know that at one time Dick Gregory was uh, a field runner uh, in his hometown of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, he earned a track scholarship from high school to Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. And he set records there as a half-miler and a miler. His college career was interrupted for two years in 1954 when he was drafted into the military. He was in the Army. And the Army was where he got his start in comedy. He actually entered talent shows in the Army, um, and his commanding officer had taken notice of his ability to hold the crowd in telling stories and joking and making comments in a comedic way. He did briefly return to Southern Illinois University after his discharge from the Army, but he dropped out because he felt that the university didn't want him to study. They wanted him to run. And in the hopes of performing comedy professionally, Dick Gregory moved to Chicago, where he became a part of a new generation of black comedians that included Nipsey Russell, Bill Cosby, Goffrey Cambridge, Red, um, I'll think of his name later, all of whom broke with the minstrel tradition of black comedy, which presented stereotypical uh, black characters. But Dick Gregory began his career in comedy, drawing on current events, especially racial issues. Uh, for much of his material, segregation is not all bad. Have you ever heard of a collision where the people in the back of the bus got hurt? <laughs> so tonight, it is with great honor that here at Our Common Ground, we pause to honor this wonderful civil rights, human rights warrior, Dick Gregory. And thank you again for being with us. Twice a year for information. 
Let me tell y'all something. Y'all can have fun. You can pay your house bills and send your children to college. That don't mean nothing. It's over. Y'all talk about the spirit and who you into. It is over. We're at the same state the Romans was in before they fell. And I don't understand how y'all can talk about if there is a God and there is, if they would go around, come around, when do you think come around time? Hmm? And I just thank God I live to be here when it's coming around. <laughs> what a blessing. And so we say thank you for being here. Uh, not, not too many things I don't agree with, but I don't agree with the fact that Lil Wayne, Wayne do whatever he want to do. It's up to us to change that. And you do that with vibrations. Hmm? Didn't start with Lil Wayne. Huh? They killed my Jesus and then told me to call it a good day, so I call it Good Friday and don't see nothing wrong with it. Huh? Hmm? Hmm? This didn't just start. Huh? I go to China and go to the Christian section and Jesus Christ looked Chinese. Go to Japan to the Christian section, Jesus Christ looked Japanese. Go to Brazil right around the corner, Jesus Christ looked Brazilian. Then I come to America and go to my black church and hear a white boy and y'all think there's something wrong with our children, huh? Somewhere. But one something like this can wipe out. Sometimes when you think it's too big, just get you a kitchen match. And imagine if you struck it and just threw it in the house. One match. One match. We'll burn the whole thing down. And we talk about we know God and we know this and we know that. Give me a break. Come on. Black folks, 6%, 12% of America's population, as we sit here now, 87% of everybody in America on kidney dollars machines is black folks. So you think you special? Huh? What kind of God are you praying to with those type of odds? Huh? It's a game. Why do you think black folks got to dress up? Dress up to go, you ever been to a white church? They come in, they barefooted, they come in that, huh? Unbeknown to us, we dress up trying to hide the filth, but the filth is inside. Huh? There is a God, and that God says, anytime you let somebody reduce you below the dignity that God gave you just so you can feed your family and pay your bills and send your children to college, God said, I will destroy you from the inside. And y'all don't even feel it. Yeah, them little thugs that stand out on the corner selling dope, cussing loud. But they came out of your belly, black woman. They didn't come from Mars. They didn't come from the mafia. And you walk past them and you can't see you. Huh? If all black folks walk down the street one day with a watermelon under their arm, They'd bring out the real National Guard. They'd think we had bones or something in them. He'd knock on your watermelon. What's that in the nigga? Ain't watermelon bones in them. (laughs) 
They called me when Obama got elected. Chinese, Japanese, sent a Campbell crew over to interview me. Because five years ago when I was in Japan, they said, Mr. Gregory, you're a brilliant comic. Let me ask you a funny question. When did you think America would have an African-American president? I said, the next one. <laughs> then it happened. And they said, who is this nigga? <laughs> so they're going to send a crew over. Hmm? The week for the inauguration. And they showed the footage of me saying it. And we always think you got to tell white folks something. You don't tell them about your barbecue sauce. You niggas die, take that for me. <laughs> so I said, well, well, I just figured it out, boss. How you mean? Don't you know five years before Obama became president, Hollywood produced five movies showing black men as president and they weren't comedies, huh? All you got to do is pick up a dialogue of what they're saying and the number one TV was 24, huh? A black president assassinated by a secretary of state, remember? So he better really watch Hillary. <laughs> so they called me two days for the inauguration. Uh, Mr. Gregory, this is a secret service, and uh, because there are going to be so many people, uh, you're on the VIP list. You know, and uh, we're going to pick up the VIPs like three hours before, because we're going to close streets down, and we just like to know where can we pick you up. And I went into my nigga bag. <laughs> I said, y'all be the same secret service that was in Dallas, Texas, when Kennedy got shot. <laughs> Somewhere. Hmm? And then y'all worrying about the tea party. <laughs> Worry about the tea party. You bunch of punks. The tea party, huh? Ain't none of them educated. Hmm? Ain't none of them got no money. Let me show you something now. Did you see the inauguration on TV? Did you see it? Now, the Supreme Court is a powerful group. But the most powerful one is the Chief Justice. Hmm? And he's the one got to swear Obama in. Is it? And he got two sentences to read. And looked at that nigga's face and messed it up. <laughs> Not no snuff dipping Ku Klux Klanner. Hmm. Y'all want to jump on the tea party, but you don't mention that cracker. Huh? We think an illegitimate child is a child that don't know where their daddy is. America is an illegitimate child because she has no mother. And this is what the problem is. If I work in a coal mine, in a steel mill, and I come here today 
and put on a suit but don't take a bath, you got stink sitting up here with you. And what has happened to America, we ain't never cleaned up the filth over 400 years. We just put a new suit on and a new dress on and then wonder who's stinking. It's you the one that's stinking. That's what this is. And until we clean this out, until we clean it up, my mama used to grab me and wash my face. America ain't got no mama that's washing her face. She'd pick my nose when it needs to be opened up. She'd look in my ears. All we do is we went from this filth we was in to putting on some new clothes, and nobody has said, hey, somewhere we got to apologize. First, the black women. White women's okay, but that black woman went through racist white system and sexist black meat. And we ain't never said what you've been through. And in spite of that, in spite of that, look at that black woman. Look at Kathy Hughes. She didn't have the privilege of a ladies' movement when she's putting that empire together. Look at Dorothy Hyde, huh? Look at all these women that have come through the late Dolores Tucker. Look, look at what's going on now with E. Bay Williams talking about the Journal of Truth. And we will have that statue in the White House. Our women, if you think this sister's just a politician, what she had to go through to get there, because she was a woman. And we have never slowed up and said, thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And until we do that, until we're able to do that, I look at Dr. Condoleezza Rice, hear me, and we tolerate it. She has more PhDs than the president's whole cabinet. Huh? Huh? Hear me. And you hear me too, black folks. They call her Condi, but they never call Madeleine Albright Maddie, never call Janet Reno Janie. Kissinger, Dr. Henry Kissinger. And let me tell you, she don't see nothing wrong with it. Let me tell you something. They got a soda pop in America. Blacker than her, they call Dr. Pepper. Huh? Huh? Dr. Good evening, and thank you for all of you who have just joined us. You're listening to Our Common Ground. In this first segment, we are honoring and celebrating the 80th birthday of Dick Gregory. Many of you might not know that Dick Gregory at one time was a co-host with uh, radio mogul Kathy Hughes at WOL 1450 AM Talk Radio, The Power. It's, it was the flagship station of Hughes's the, the first station that she owned and has become the flagship station of uh, Radio One. He also appeared regularly on the nationally syndicated Imus in the Morning program. In 1986, I was honored by having Dick Gregory join me in studio at WPOM for five days of broadcast as my co-host, and what a week it was. 
when I asked him during that time uh, why he was um, not a radio host, he said that not enough people listen, not enough black people listen to talk radio. That was his response. Dick Gregory met his wife, who is a wonderful woman, Lillian Smith Gregory, uh, at an African-American club in Chicago, and they married in 1959, and they have ten children, uh, including, as he always does, one who died at birth uh, in 1973. The Gregories moved to Plymouth, Massachusetts, and they continue to live there. You have probably heard him on almost every talk show uh, that focuses on progressive um, discourse uh, across this nation. But what is the most interesting about his life is his dedication to both civil and human rights and to the health of poor and black people in this country. He became active in the civil rights movement um, in October 1963 when he went to Selma, Alabama and spoke for two hours on a public platform two days before the voter registration drive known as Freedom Day. Uh, He also became active at that time Uh, as a pronounced activist against the Vietnam War for economic reform uh, on anti-drug issues, conspiracy theories, and others as part of his activism. He went on, and some of you in the audience tonight may remember the several hunger strikes he undertook. He began his political career by running against Richard Daley for the mayor of Chicago in 1967. And he was not victorious, however. And it would not be the last of his dalliances in electoral politics. He unsuccessfully ran for president of the United States in 1968 as a write-in candidate of the Freedom and Peace Party which had broken off from the Peace and Freedom Party. And he received 47,097 votes, uh, including my own, with fellow activist Mark Lane as his running mate. He wrote a book during that time, Write Me In, about his presidential campaign. One interesting anecdote there uh, in the book relates the story of a publicity stunt that came out of Operation Breadbasket in Chicago, where the campaign had printed dollar bills with Gregory's image on them, some of which made it into circulation. In 1998, Gregory spoke at the celebration of the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King with President Bill Clinton in attendance. Not long after that, the president told Gregory's Long-time friend and consultant Steve Jaffe, I love Dick Gregory. 
he is one of the funniest people on the planet. And they spoke about how uh, Mr. Gregory had made a comment on Dr. Ber- Dr. King's birthday that broke everyone into laughter when he noted that the president made Speaker Newt Gingrich ride in the back of the plane on an Air Force One trip. Among his business enterprises, he founded Health Enterprises, a company that distributed weight loss products. In 1985, he produced Slim Safe Bahamian Diet, a powdered diet mix. When he announced his hunger strike in September of 2010, saying in a commentary published by the Center for Research on Globalization in Montreal, that he doubted the official U.S. report about the attacks on September 11th. He said at that time, one thing I know, is that the official government story of those events as well as what took place that day at the Pentagon is just that, a story. This story is not the truth, but far from it. I was born in October 12, 1932. I'm announcing today that I will be consuming only liquids beginning Sunday until my 80th birthday in 2012 and until the real truth of what really happened on that day emerges and is publicly known. And as we all know, Dick Gregory did not go on that liquid fast for these many years because he's been sidetracked by so many other things. Among his books, Write Me In, From the Back of the Bus, What's Happening, The Shadow That Scares Me, um, Callous on My Soul, a memoir. And if you really admire the work of Dick Gregory, you would have at least one or two of those in your live personal library and would have shared them, especially with children. His story has yet to be told. I met Dick Gregory for the first time in 1965 at a protest rally in Washington, D.C., Um, And when he appeared in 1986 on Our Common Ground, he he came for an event where I was the emcee and to appear on my radio show. He was scheduled to appear on my radio show. But he decided to stay for five days. And not only did he hang around the radio station, he hung around my house. Um, He tried to get me to grow collard greens in my well-landscaped backyard. Um, And uh, he was, he has been and continues to be a great inspiration for us to speak truth to power and ourselves. And I am so very happy that the ancestors have blessed us to keep him with us. You're listening to Our Common Ground, and this is our happy birthday, 80th birthday greeting for Baba Dick Gregory. 
tonight at our common ground. We are wishing a very happy 80th birthday to Dick Gregory, a living legend in our time. Dick Gregory was on the front line in the 60s during the Civil Rights era, and today he continues to be a drum major for justice and equality. He was born on October 12, 1932, in St. Louis, Missouri. We are proud and honored that Dick Gregory has been that Dick Gregory has been an our common ground voice for more than 20 years. Happy birthday, Baba Gregory. And my vote determine if you're going to be on or not. One person. One person. It don't make no difference when you understand. So I said thank you, NAACP. Thank you, black church. Thank you, black woman. <laughs> One. John Brown died with his two sons at Harper's Ferry. And because of that, that's what caused the Civil War. And that's why when the Union soldiers was marching, they were singing, John Brown's body is a molding in the grave. Huh? One man. With the help of a whole... Abraham Lincoln's death. The Emancipation Proclamation wasn't no law. That was a, a war movement. After they killed him, that's when they gave us the 13th Amendment. One man's death. Huh? You black folks got to be careful about 13 is an unlucky number. The 13th Amendment freed you. Freed you. Emmett Till huh? changed the whole planet. I asked Rosa Parks one day, just the two of us, said, how'd you get the courage to do that? She said, I just couldn't get Emmett Till out of my mind. Hmm? Hmm? Mrs. LaRusso, a white woman. People got shot. Oh, I didn't know they'd kill them. Medgar hmm? Evers, huh? Malcolm X. Dr. Martin Luther King, had he not been killed, huh? We would be here today, but it would be 3,000 cops around this building. Huh? Huh? So I leave you and I say to you, we are the difference. Many people here know that. America... There's America today that many people can bear because of the civil rights movement. Not the Navy or the Marines or the Supreme Court. Huh? We didn't ask for an appeal. We took it. Huh? huh? And it upset them so bad, they blew up a black church, but ain't never blew up a drug house or a prostitute house. We know what they're scared of. Huh? And understand one thing, that civil rights movement in the late 50s and 60s, 98% of the people in the forefront had reverend in front of their name before they had PhD. 
That's what we're about. So don't leave here today feeling bad. Sometimes the universe makes things happen like that. Because if it's not for this, then it wouldn't be this. And I say to the family, a strange thing happened that night. I was in Huntsville, Texas. We'd been fasting all night long for that white boy that committed one of the most vicious, if not the vicious, heinous acts in the history of America. But it was a bunch of us there. I was at your place Friday. You could feel that spirit in your Ebenezer. And then from there I went to Texas. You can't pick and choose when you're dealing with God's children. Huh? You don't make that decision. One day we're going to have to understand the same God that created Hitler created the Jews. Huh? The same God that created the slave created the slave master. And so to the family, you got a big job. But it's different than any other execution because we didn't have the, the electronic system like we have now. can go all over the world in an instant. And as I turned around to walk away from that jail, my wife called me. Joy, happy, happy. They said he got a reprieve. That went all over the world. Huh? Did y'all know that? All over the world. People were happy. Huh? And then she called me back to know some, 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 somebody made a mistake. I said, it wasn't no mistake made. That was the joy that we had for a few minutes because of all the hard work that you all had put in to this brother. So, and so I leave you and I say thanks to you. I think that I've been empowered to do things on my own. And so I say to you and the family, at midnight tonight, I will start a fast, and it will go from midnight tonight to September the 21st of next year. And I ask you, Every day at 12 noon, say a prayer or meditation that capital punishment will cease. That's the power we have. That's the power we have. That's who you are, and that's who you are, and that's what you gave us. Thank you. God bless. One thing police brutality affects almost as much as it affects the ones they utilize is the family, the fathers and the mothers. It's not the beating, but the humiliation that I'm getting beat, my children's getting beat by legal folks. But if this was happening to Americans in a foreign country, we'd be sending the suit there. At least we'd go to the State Department. You ain't got nobody to go to. This reminds me we was in Mississippi in the 60s. Somebody called your house and said, we're going to blow up the house. Wasn't nobody even called because the people that called is the ones you can call. So, but America don't understand. It's a new mentality here. They think they're still dealing with that old Negro mind. They think they're dealing with, 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 with folks like Malcolm X that were talking and stuff. There's some folks here today that ain't going to tolerate this. And they ain't going to get on no corner and nothing, but they're not going to tolerate it. They don't even understand that.
because they listening to the wrong people. This might be America's last chance. For, if you look at all the, the explosions in the 60s, all of them had the same ingredients. The cop and the ghetto dweller. Wasn't nobody robbing the bank. Wasn't nobody just out drunk. That was the ingredients. And when Colonel Governor Kerner was picked by the government to do an investigation on it and everything he told them was so true, they ended up indicting him. <laughs> He's been a federal judge. And so this might be America's last chance. Well, it's simple. We got thousands of black cops in America. You ain't never turned on TV or picked up the paper see a white family crying because some black cop then shot their family member in the back 40 times. Now let's ask the question. How come black cops don't do it? Are they more spiritual? No. They better train, no? What is it? Then the white folks ain't gonna tolerate it. And when they get to the point we won't tolerate it, it'll stop. And I don't mean gonna get no guns. When they get to the point, you've been a black man, I've been a black man. You can't find a black man in America say a white cop took his stick and hit my car. What is it about us that's so corrupt inside spiritually? You can kill my mama, my daddy, my children, and nothing to happen. Mess with my car. Mess with my car. And all these vicious white cops here, they never hit a nigga's car. Because they know I won't, and there's no book that tells them not to do it. There's something in their spirit that says you better not do it. Thank you, Mr. Gregory. For much of my childhood and my entire life, I have been inspired, provoked to think, and to serve the black community. And it is because so much of a man named Dick Gregory. Happy birthday, Dick Gregory. And may we be blessed by your presence and the ancestors forever pour blessings upon you for many, many more. And we do want to say once again, um, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to have lived your life in the way that Dick Gregory has lived his life uh, for these, he calls it, 50 years. And again, happy birthday, Baba Dick Gregory. You're listening to Our Common Ground. Our number is 347-838-9852 if you want to talk about Dick Gregory or Stop and Frisk, or if you want to talk about the Wednesday night Yo Mama contest, um, Thursday night, I'm sorry, um, Yo Mama contest between um, Vice President Joe Biden and um, Paul Ryan. Um, and if you have your thoughts, we invite you at 347-838-9852. Those of you who are out there listening, you can join 
in the discussion in our chat room with India Declare, Alpha of the Alpha Show. Stephen C. is with us. Michelle, of course, is there, as well as O. Henry from the ATL. Uh, Della Prosa from Ireland, and we have some guests, and you can meet them and introduce yourself. This because this is our common ground. We'll be right back. What is there to explain? Give anything away till we have it all. Our Common Ground, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Don't you know that you are free? Well, at least in your mind, if you want to be. I'm tired of the stereotype that black Americans don't want to work. I've worked hard my whole life, but I got laid off, and I've got mouths to feed. I need a job. What I don't understand is why our leaders are going to admit another million immigrant workers next year to take jobs when three million black Americans can't find work. I mean, do our leaders really believe that black Americans don't want to work? Let's slow down mass immigration and save jobs for Americans, all Americans, paid for by NumbersUSA.org. This election, to me, is about which candidate is more likely to return us to full employment. This is a clear choice. The Republican plan is to cut more taxes on upper-income people and go back to deregulation. That's what got us in trouble in the first place. President Obama has a plan to rebuild America from the ground up, investing in innovation, education, and job training. It only works if there is a strong middle class. That's what happened when I was president. We need to keep going with his plan. I'm Barack Obama, and I approve this message. There were more black men stopped and frisked by the NYPD in 2011 than there are black men living in the city. Who's protecting them? Don't sleep. This is Janice Graham of Our Common Ground, reminding you that invasive and oppressive policies in our local government paid by our tax dollars is your responsibility. That's right. Don't sleep. Stop and frisk. It's not right. It's damaging our children and our community. Thank you for listening to an Our Common Ground Black Service Announcement. This announcement is brought to you by Our Common Ground Communications. Our Common Ground, each Saturday, 10 p.m., transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. This is Janice Graham of TruthWorks Network, inviting you to join us in a new broadcast partnership in collaboration with Black Women's Blueprint. TruthWorks Network presents Fury in the Light. Black Women in the Prism 
Unleashing the power. Black women in the prism. Unleashing the power. Fury in the light. Of live radio forums in a collaborative partnership with TruthWorks Network, hosted by the Black Women's Blueprint. Starts October 22nd. We hope you'll join us. 10 p.m. TruthWorks Network and Black Women's Blueprint. see some thug-ass movie called Barbershop with that heathen, low-down dog. Cedric Entertainer called Martin Luther King a whore and said Rosa Parks didn't do nothing. She was just too tired to move her big black ass. And you niggas thought, but had that nigga said that about Jackie Kennedy, who was a hoe? She was Bobby's girl before she married Jack. A flood hoe. Had he said it about Queen Elizabeth, that nigga be dead now. But you don't see nothing wrong with it. Hmm? Hmm? And the only reason that punk thug and the rest of them can be in Hollywood and do their movies is because of us. Not because of their mama or them niggas were smart. My old stupid brother called me. He was the first black way up with Enron, big money. Millions told me how good he was doing. Then they got busted. He lost everything. I called him the other day and said, you know you're going to jail. He said, I didn't do nothing wrong. He said, look, they put them white folk in jail, nigga. You know you're going. Our Common Ground. Blog Talk Radio. I'm Janice Graham. And thank you for being with us here tonight on Open Mic Saturday Night. We're going to go to our phones, and if you'd like to join us on any topic that's on your mind, 347-838-9852. 303, you're on the air. Thank you for your call. I respect you. Oh, I'm 303. I almost forgot. Hey, Janice, it's Stephen. How you doing? It's the, it's the sexy man the, right the on Ada. The sexy Ada. man. That's right. I, I got a night <laughs> off. So. yet. <laughs> well... That may be happening soon, so look out, O'Henry. <laughs> um, oh, what to talk about, Jesus. Um, first, right off, I just wanted to give props to Dick Gregory also for this little book he wrote a million years ago called Dick Gregory's um, Book on Diet, Cooking with Mother Nature. It was an incredible book about basically how to transition over to a vegetarian diet, and I must have bought about two dozen of them over the years because I would give them to people who were thinking about, you know, changing their diet around because it was a a great little book. Um, And then to politics, what 
is going on with all this voter suppression stuff? And why isn't the Department of Justice putting its foot down a little bit harder? Because this stuff is out of out of control. Well, I mean, it feels know, like we're it's like the fifties again or something. Well, you're you're absolutely right uh, in the sense that it is the the fifties all over again, and uh, I think that the campaign to uh, essentially confuse the right. uh, the voters in this country has worked. It's under attack. Right. If the, if, if the laws aren't going to do it and they can't keep those and they're going to confuse everybody and they're going to harass people, you got those those watchdog organizations, you know, they're going to harass people that are voting and challenge them. I mean, can you imagine if the Democrats tried to do this, the Republicans would be howling and screaming bloody murder. And it's like, what is the deal with the Democrats? They're like mute. Well, you know, one I mean, of uh, the things we've got to have, one of the things, and, and I think that um, people are not uh, paying attention to and need to be t- paying attention to, is the idea of what has been happening in regard uh, to voter uh, voter suppression laws that have been attempted in this country. Yeah. Um, you know, that the courts are knocking down all of these state initiatives that have recently passed um, uh, to scale down voting operations, you know, for instance, in Ohio, in Pennsylvania, in South Carolina, uh, all of the civil rights organizations that have uh, filed either uh, briefs or have been a party to uh, these um, to, 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 to both redistricting and registration uh, suppression because a lot of you uh, a lot of redistricting stuff is going on as well. So well, right. I mean, you know, that's always happened, you know, the, the redistrict, whoever's in power. But the thing is, it just burns me up when I see all these campaign ads. I mean, the Obama campaign committee spending a billion dollars on these silly ads that aren't going to con- change one person's mind. And if they put ads pointing out this voter suppression or if they put some of that money into hiring attorneys to to battle these laws that are going on. I mean, it's like it's going to come down to if they can keep a certain number of people from voting and then in their worst case, their plan B is to just um, count the ballots the way they want to, whether through rigging the machines or, you know, these corrupt uh, election officials like the one in Wisconsin who just happened to find 40,000 ballots, you know, so that it changed the election, I think, of that Supreme Court justice. Uh, it, it's just, it's been out of control since 2000 and the fiasco yeah, in Florida. Yeah. But, I mean, people it, have to really look at it off the top of my head. That, Stephen, one of the things that has been happening 
that you really have to keep your eye on is what has been happening in the courts in defending the constitutionality of Section 5 uh, of the Voting Rights Act. And you've got cases like Florida versus Holder, Shelby Company, uh, County versus Holder in Alabama, uh, the Northwest Austin Municipal Utility District uh, versus Holder in Texas. Um, uh, you've got enforcement provisions, uh, actions going on, Morales versus Handel in Georgia, Project Vote uh, versus Madison County Board of Elections in Ohio. South Carolina now has been put right. aside. Uh, in looking at challenging unnecessary restrictive voter identification, registration, and proof of citizenship in Texas, Florida, Arizona, Georgia, uh, but, Pennsylvania, but I, I don't know if you saw Nevada. it. I think. I mean, you could I go think, on and on and on. I know on. it's it's crazy because they're the Republicans are serious about this stuff. You know, they're well, they're they're they just throwing everything against the wall that they can. You know, and yep. and 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 the the. The, the Constitution and the Democrats are on the defense. I mean, today on Melissa Harris-Perry's show, she was showing that in, in Ohio now they're putting up these big billboards telling people, you know, voter fraud is a felony and you could spend three yeah. years in jail just to intimidate Intimidation. people. And, right. and, and last week uh, the Lawyers Committee, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and the Advancement Project, all of the um, directors and, and national leaders of those organizations which have been on this program, they all went into court uh, to begin new actions against intimidation. Yeah. Because well, they came upon a good strategy. The, the, the best thing that they've done is hit these laws on a on the on the basis of they can't be implemented in time you know the elections too soon and so a lot of judges this way they don't have to rule the law invalid they just have to they can delay it and say well it's too you know we can't do this quick enough so you know this law is not in effect until after the election so i mean that's at least things, a good thing one of the ways in which this campaign by the GOP has been so effective is that, and I've said it on this program over and over, is that it has launched great confusion among people. For instance, in the state of Massachusetts, felons can vote. But the myth is that felons cannot vote. Right, right. So and that's, that's, that's a very – they, they had a big – they had a big show about that here, too, locally, because people don't know, you know, because, okay, can a felon vote? Can someone who's on parole or probation vote? Can someone that's actually incarcerated as long as it's not a felony vote? Everybody's confused about that, and the Republicans are going to keep them that way. And it's really weird that that's a state issue. I mean, why wouldn't that be a federal, um, you know, standardized Fact, you know, why why do we have uh, one state can can disenfranchise someone who who committed a crime? You know, maybe they went to to jail for a drug conviction just for possession, served a couple years, they're out, and now they can't vote the rest of their life. You know, yeah. but if they go to another state, they can. That's crazy. 
Well, there is uh, an 866 number where people can call from across the country, and they will be connected with consultants who can, and this is a program that has been funded by the Department of Justice, and the number is 866-OUR-VOTE, 687-8683, and I'll say that again for those of you who in our audience, if you have voter questions or problems or questions around registration, the number to call is one eight six six our vote and uh if you want assistance in spanish it's eight 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 three nine eight six eight two and you can also visit eighty six hour dot org which will give you all of the current rules for voter registration and voting in your state. Okay, That's now Janet, that what you're saying is so important, they should take down these other ads and put up ads with just that. Tell everybody, you know, because okay, people you know, don't know this. People don't know that there's a number they can call. The billboards that you're referring to, they are mostly in Ohio and Indiana, mm-hmm. and they are sponsored by Clear Channel. Right. People should know that as well. You know, but, but Stephen, see, here here goes the problem, and we we do a lot of talking about this on this show. The problem is that we are not paying attention until the very – we're always behind the ball. The other problem is that we don't we don't stay with these issues. As soon as this is a is is over, people will not worry about voting rights. Right. Right. There should be and there has been every effort to have an amendment to the constitution uh, which would allow for certain rules, regulatory rules to apply in yep. all states regarding yep. voter registration and voter rights. But we have people who didn't pay attention to that either. That was promulgated. That was a, a, a rule that was promulgated uh, in the U.S. House and it was sponsored by the Black Caucus, and we didn't stay on it. No. I mean, and I've been, I've been feeling like a lonely Paul Revere because I, I've always been posting about, hey, you know, we, we've been having elections stolen. We still haven't yet, 12 years later, got any certainty that the voting machines we're voting on are going to be fair and impartial. Mm-hmm. Twelve years later, there's still no. it's been just kicked down the, the curb, and it's like that's what makes me depressed is that I feel that the only reason I can think that the Democrats have been falling asleep on this is because they're really just about as bad as the Republicans, and they really don't want change. You know no. that that we're the ones that are being suckered here. Well, the thing is that one of the things that we have to do is we have to decide what our priorities are and voting rights because people make assumptions uh, are are really 
governed and enforced at the state level. Right. And that's why restrictive states who require photo ID, a government-issued photo ID, they are the ones who are being challenged most aggressively. And with all the contentious court battles over the recent changes to voting laws, it really isn't any wonder that voters are confused about what mm -hmm. ID they're required to bring to the polls. Right. I have... I have been voting in the same poll for a thousand years. Nobody has ever asked me for an ID. I step up, I give them my name. They go to a list. My name's on the list. They check my name off. They give me a ballot, and I go about my business of voting. And that is the way that it should work. Right. Now, I did hear Melissa Harris Perry's uh, broadcast this morning. And she said she was going to she that she has always been required, right? Uh, or asked to, uh, anyway. Issue, issue to to show uh, an ID, but she's but she recently found out that, that in she Louisiana didn't have ID is not required. Right, and I don't know about Georgia, but I know when I voted the last number of times, they always ask for an ID. Now, I, and I have no idea even at this moment if that was a law or they just did that. You know, I mean, okay. for all I know. Well, so. in Georgia has a restrictive photo ID law in, in place. It is being challenged. Mm -hmm. Which probably Georgia, means it wasn't in place before. It probably means it's a new one, which means they were still asking people for photo IDs even though they had no legal cause to. Mm -hmm. you're, you're right. <laughs> but the thing is, uh, when you look at what happened in 2010, people don't take their voting rights, uh, our voting serious. Oh, I know, I know. And I we're, know. We're, we're pretty much in the pickle that we're in because of it. But the other yep. part of it is that I'm not understanding that in states that are continuing, like in Pennsylvania, where they're finding that in Pennsylvania they are still telling people ID is required when the courts have mandated that ID right. not be required. Right. And I don't understand why the elections officers or officials in the state of Pennsylvania are not being arrested for violating oh. voting rights. I mean, Right. We should ask your boss. Well... You know, um, I have no comment about that. Okay. <laughs> can't comment upon departmental regulations or actions or events or any of that stuff. Because I know, I think, I, I think Rachel Maddow called the Ohio, you know, uh, voter election hotline and was told you have to have a voter ID so then they contact MSNBC contacted them and said now wait a minute the judge and they said oh well they're they're taking that off that day now I don't know I didn't see a follow-up but yeah. if they ever did or not yeah. you know but as, the longer they stall and hem and haw the more confused people can get absolutely absolutely how's the music business well I mean I'm playing but it's just it's not very fertile here cuz all you know Atlanta has so many more great musicians and i'm afraid i'm going to have to 
if the mountains aren't coming to Muhammad, well, they got mountains here, but they're not the right ones. So <laughs> they're not mountains of musicians. So I uh, I may just have to meander back to the big A and and plug back in. So I can I need to do a bunch of recording. You know that, and I can't do it totally by myself. And all the great players are there. But I, I mean, they're I, in L.A. I, too, I but I'm not going to L.A. What? I noticed that you're doing a lot of solo gigs. Yeah, yeah, because I have to. I mean, because I, 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 you know, I don't know that many musicians here. Plus, most of the gigs around here for bands pay, like, from 50 years ago pay. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah. at least if I play solo, I can pay my bills. Yeah. Okay, well, it was good talking to you, Glenn. All right, good talking with you. I did know that in the chat room you mentioned that you had met uh, Dick Gregory in the 1960s. No, 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 that's when I first got into him, but I met him at Sylvia's when I was playing there in Atlanta for Sunday brunch. And I, you know, I met him and, you know, he said, you know, he said he liked my playing and stuff. And and then I asked the bartender, well, what does he eat here? Because, you know, most of the food is not vegetarian. And he goes, oh, we have vegetarian collards in the kitchen. You have to ask for them. So (laughs) so I looked at him because I get to eat there free, too. But there there wasn't much there that, you know, didn't have meat in it because a lot of the vegetables even had meat in it. So from then on, because of Dick Gregory coming in, I then was able to at least get vegetarian collards. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we're going to have him on soon He's been very, Great. very busy uh, And uh, until, you know, one of my philosophies about talk radio Is that people with that kind of wisdom and That kind of offering We need to be able to build up our right. listenership right. Uh, for, for heavy hitters in fact, in fact, one last thing, when I used to see him talking, like in the late 60s, early 70s, I would literally get butterflies in my stomach because I would worry for his safety. I was thinking, how can he stand up there and say these things? You know, and, and later down the line I realized, you know, that they probably, he could probably get away with it because he was a comedian, so they didn't put as much import on him, you know, even though he was an activist, you know, they have to allow some dissent or else it'll appear that, you know, that it's not allowed here. So, you know, but but I used to worry about because <laughs> he would he would reveal a lot of truths that were not, you know, stuff I'm sure the government wanted people to know. Well, you know, it's really interesting that he has never had an incident. Yeah, I know it's great. Very interesting. Yeah. And it 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 goes to how much he has been uh able to to create bridges. And some of our contemporary um um uh, comedians have been under unable to do it the way that he has done it. Right. But it's also because of the investment that he makes in not only talking the talk but walking the walk right exactly exactly yeah. i mean he's a principled man on and off the stage yeah absolutely hey thanks for your call okay and you thank you be good out there okay and we you look too forward to seeing you coming back to the south 
Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that was Stephen C., and he's been with us since our U.S. Talk uh, days. Our number is 347-838-9852. I'm Janice Graham, and you're listening to Our Common Ground, where we speak truth to power and ourselves, and this goes up for Stephen C., and we'll be right back. Taking your calls at 347-838-9852. In this second hour, we're going to be talking about, I want to talk about, Stop and Frisk. Georgia, Georgia, the whole day. Just an old sweet song Keeps Georgia on my mind Georgia Georgia A song Sweet and clear as moonlight through the vines. Other arms reach out to me, other eyes smile so tenderly. Check out, check out, but check out, shut up, because if those are your two choices, Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, and this bigot, this racist, then I don't see that there's a big issue there. I don't see that there's anything, any other choice. You either stay home and stay disengaged, but then I don't see how you would have a voice. I don't see how you would be able to complain. I just read off 13 things that this president has given or has added and has done for the black community. I don't know if I'll be able to help. <laughs> for those who say he hasn't, you know, you need to be aware of these things. 914-338-1610. Let me go to 972. Fridays, 10 p.m., TruthWorks Network, Advanced Urban Progressive Political Talk, When Injustice Becomes Law.
Resistance becomes duty. The Alpha Show, only on TruthWorks Network. Nothing to say, nothing to do. I'm nothing to give. I'm asleep without you. India Declare. Real, raw, and right now. It's the I Declare Show. Hi, this is Janice Graham suggesting to you that your Monday through Friday talk destination must be I Declare on Blog Talk Radio with India Declare. Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Oh, no, honey, we can't put in, we can't, oh, my gosh, we can't have any expectations of clean air. Who are we, the American people, to want, I don't know, some clean air and some clean water? God forbid. Oh, uh, let's see. Anti-education, Pell Grant, screw it. If you can't afford to get in, you ain't getting in. That's the uh, Repub motto. And, of course, the anti-woman. <laughs> small government, small government, small government, vote for me. Small government, small government, small government, vote for me. I don't want the government involved in anything unless you have a uterus. If you have a uterus, Bonnie, we are, look, now, you tell me. That does not seem to be in the favor of the American worker. We have seen the aggressive assault and attack on labor in this country. Clearly, there is a degradation of uh, the standard of living in this country. I I think it is just flat out uh, undeniable. People are uh, learning to live with less, uh, on less, and, uh, and it's tragic. The poverty numbers are uh, through the roof. Come join India Declare, bringing it real raw and right now. India Declare, real, raw, and right now. You're listening to Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Grant, and I'll be listening for you. Let us hear from you. Your impressions and opinions on Black Church on Fire. Our number, 347-838-9852. 347-838-9852. Is the Black Church on Fire? This is our common ground. Again, for being with us tonight here at Our Common Ground, our number is 347-838-9852, and we're going to move right in on, I I really want to talk to you about this whole notion of uh, what's happening across this country, especially in New York, where it has come full circle. Stop and frisk is the practice by which a police officer initiates a stop of an individual on the street allegedly based on reasonable suspicion of criminal activity. We know that stops and frisks do not reduce crime and that it occurs at an alarming rate in communities of color 
who often feel under siege and harassed by the police. In 2011, in New York City, 685,724 people were stopped, 84% of whom were black and Latino residents, although they comprised only 23% and 29% of New York City's population, respectively, of the total population. And that year, 2011, was the highest year on record for stops. The number of stops represented an over 600% increase since Mayor Bloomberg came into office. Let me, let me just say this. The practice contributes to continued mistrust, to doubt and fear of police officers in communities of color that are already scarred by systemic racial profiling and major incidents of police brutality and murder. There is, listen to me folks, listen to me very carefully because we are giving permission when we don't resist and protest. There is a clear need for accountability for an independent body of oversight and reform in this country where stop and frisk has been made law. Now, you can go to stopandfrisk.org and learn more about it. But my question to you is this, and, and we have got to begin to take this seriously. And My, my number is 347-838-9852. When are we going to take responsibility? for these kinds of repressive and oppressive laws. And make no mistake about it, your tax dollars pays for this kind of activity. Now, many of you will remember uh, that Leadership in our community has been calling this kind of law racist. And residents of the city of New York uh, have been absolutely leveling New York City as a city of shame. But, you know, The practice creates more friction and fear of authority than it actually stops crime. I'd like to hear from people who um, actually live in New York or people who have these kinds of laws. And, you know, we all know that this kind of stuff happens, stop and frisk, even when they don't have a law. Even when they don't have a law. Um, there was a letter in the New York Times, and I can't remember, sometime back, 
And the writer pointed out that focusing only on gun seizures and stop and frisk obscures a larger problem that the New York City Police Department sees thousands of guns each year by other means. In the city of of Boston, there is a gun trade program that's conducted by the Boston Police Department. 3,200 guns were seized by means other than stop and frisk. But the practice still goes on and this generation of children are increasingly calling of of activists are increasingly needs to increasingly call for better <coughs> excuse me and more efficient alternatives to stop and frisk. And we need to be willing to take to the streets and flood the media until our voices of resistance and protest are not only heard, but there is real reform coming from the people who we elect, who sit by and let these police departments institute these kinds of laws. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to keep telling you our number is 347 Eight three eight nine eight five two here at our common ground on this open mic Saturday night, and we want to remind you about some of our programming in our sponsored uh, network on Wednesday night. Solar Fire with Dr. Matthew V. Johnson. It airs at ten p.m. and it is. Spirit Matters Talk Radio. It's not a religious show. It is about the spirit, our human spirit, and how it manifests in the matters of of um, of state. And uh, Dr. Matthew V. Johnson brings quite a program. Where spirit matters. Across the board, the reality of racism, the part it is playing in frustrating the aspirations of millions of black children all across this country through poverty, through inferior public schooling, through poor health care, etc., and recognize the part that racism plays in that, or, 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 or we aren't. And if we aren't going to recognize it for them, then we're not going to make any excuses about policy failures in the White House either. If it ain't no excuses for them, it ain't no excuses for him. If they can, if they can face the hell that they're catching and still be expected to succeed, then damn it, we expect to get a public option. And we expect to see some social justice. And we expect to be some, see something done about the plight of the poor. Don't give it that the economy is too bad. You know why? Because we got no excuses. Because we it's a zero-sum game. We believe. Only on TruthWorks Network. Your Wednesdays just got better. Soul of Fire with Dr. Matthew V. Johnson 
Wednesdays, 10 p.m., where spirit matters. I guess you caught that. I dropped that promo on our last break, and I needed to get in there. But Solifier, Wednesday at 10 p.m. on TruthWorks Network. I want to get back to uh, this uh, frisk, uh, stop and frisk thing. It does not deter crime. And it really isn't about what they call this war on drugs or it is about police departments becoming our police enforcement and protection services becoming more authoritarian and becoming more fascist in their strategies in our community around control. Our number is 347-838-9852. We thank you all for being in our chat room and uh, hope that all of our listeners are well. I know I'm just exhausted from all of this talk about the Yo Mama contest that the Presidential Election Commission is sponsoring. And there is another one on Tuesday night between um, Mitasketch and the President. I'm exhausted from it. I'm not sure if this, well, I can't say that uh, it's not being helpful for some, but for those of us who really follow the news closely, we follow policy initiatives, we follow public policy history, and we do our homework and research around candidates and what this administration has been able to accomplish, it can be absolutely exhausting. You know, sometimes I think I just wish I could be either Tom Kane or Olivia Pope. I don't know which one I want to be sometimes to just dispense with all the lying and all of the nasty vitriolic uh, discourse. Um, I have to disagree with my my friend um, Alpha, my little brother, at the Alpha show on Friday nights on TruthWorks Network where he he purports on a premise that Joe Biden saved the day for the president and now the president must pick up the gauntlet. I thought it was just political theater, and that is just about. It didn't talk about the drones. It didn't talk about Egypt. It didn't talk about starving um Victim of starving victims of colonialism in on the continent of Africa. It didn't talk about mothers and children dying in Nigeria and Somalia. They didn't talk about. They didn't even mention Mitt Romney's tax returns. Please, Joe, you missed that part. And they didn't discuss at all the notion of what this country's principles are relative to 
human rights, civil rights, um, Africa, China. They wanted to talk about you. Your mama said your mama's so fat she's going to start a war in Iran. No, your mama's so fat she's going to stop the war in Iran with diplomatic policy. Your mama's so fat that she killed the the Libyan ambassador. No, your mama's so fat that she was in the riot. That was part of the lie. I mean, it just went on. I'm exhausted from it. So I will continue to try to present those things which are important to us. And I want you to I want you to sit real quietly now. Uh, don't don't go try to refresh your drink or put the kettle on because this is what stop and frisk is all about and this is what our responsibilities are and they're never going to talk about it in a debate I just got stopped like two blocks you know ago, yo. You look very suspicious. Cause y'all always looking at me crazy. Why you, you fucking hear me? You fucking with the shit. Take a fucking walk. Why you, why you pushing me that for? Why you pushing me that for? Why you pushing me that? That's exactly how some shit will go down. Just like that. Just like that. People don't like police because of the harassment. And what civilians don't understand is that the police department is like forcing us to do these unreasonable stops or you're going to get penalized. Well, I I think the mayor is absolutely correct. Some people are just very hurt by it and upset when they're stopped unnecessarily. Well, I understand that some some people, uh, you know, you're taking away at the very least, you're taking away people's time. So I understand people seem to be happy with it. But I can also assure you that I go to the communities, communities of color, people want more. So absolutely. this captain who walked into the precinct and gave a speech about harassing the public. His words were, we're going to go out there and we're going to violate some rights. We hear it from the captain down. We want 250s. This is stop, question, and frisk. I was walking home from my girlfriend's house 
and a cop call went past me. A couple of seconds later, I heard the car turn around and they just popped out. They just all just jumped out the car. I decided to record it because I was getting stopped a lot and I didn't have evidence of cop being disrespectful or anything. So I pressed the button and it recorded the whole thing. Oh, you were getting it. Oh, I just got stopped like two blocks you know ago, yo. You look very suspicious. Because y'all always looking at me crazy. Why you keep looking back at us, man? Because you always, y'all always looking crazy, yo. Coming up the block, always. That's our job, man. That's our job. Listen to me. Listen to me. Our job is to look at suspicious behavior. When you keep looking at us like that, looking back. Because y'all always like, I just got stopped like two blocks away. Because you keep doing that shit, man. We stopped you last time because, listen to me. When you were walking the block with your hood up and you keep looking back at us like that, bro, you think you might have something. Because I had my hoodie in there. They do that. You have your hoodie on your body. Why well, because it was cold. Yeah. You want to smack me? Yeah. You want me to you you smack me? No, you asked me why I have a book bag on. Who the fuck are you talking to? You asked me why I had a book bag on. You asked me if I had a book bag on. Yo, why are you touching me for? He was holding me. He was going through your pockets, going up, down. He was going through my sweater. Then that's when he told me to keep my hands on my head. So I was like this the whole time. You want to go to jail? For what? Shut your fucking mouth, kid. Why am I getting arrested for? Shut your mouth. What am I getting arrested for? For being a fucking mutt. You know what? That's the law? Being a mutt? Who the fuck are you? You over here telling me why I have a good bag on the set for my hoodie? He decided to take my hand from here and he put it behind my back like that. Why are you putting it on my arm way back here? Shut your fucking mouth. You asking me questions. Weren't you a fucking explorer at one point? I, I was, and I, I that's fucking respect. Because that stopped me, you always stopped me for no reason. Do you want somebody to why, why, why you have, why you push I'm going to break your fucking arm. You're going to break my arm. For what? Dude, I'm going to fucking break your arm. For what? Who's your father? You're going to punch me in my face? He's not going to answer. He don't got a phone. You're in traffic? Nope. Yup. He's a traffic cop? Yup. Don't touch me. Okay, he's a traffic cop. Why they holding me? The sergeant's holding me like this. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break your arm. I'm like, why? You, I, I'm like, you gonna break my arm? He's like, yeah. And I'm punching the face. I was like, you gonna punch me in the face? And he's like, yeah. He's like, and then I'm gonna arrest you. I'm like, arrest me for what? And he's like, for being a mutt. So he grabbed me by my book bag and he started be pushing me down. So I'm going backwards like down the hill and he just kept pushing me and pushing me. It looked like he was gonna hit me. I felt like they were trying to make me resist or fight me back. Why you pushing that for? Why you pushing that? Why are you? Why are you pushing that? Why you? Why you fucking hitting me? You fucking piece of shit! Take a fucking look. Yo, why you pushing that? I'm mad just hearing that. Like, not many words really like could describe that. It's just, just, it's just disturbing. But that's exactly what's happening. Like, I could relate to what you're doing because I know. That situation, they just don't got no respect for us, and they wonder why we don't have respect for them. And for him, for them to just call him a name like that, and it's just like that's just crazy. Do you think that during stops that some police officers try to provoke so that they can justify an arrest? Of course they do. A lot of police officers be trying to set civilians off, and then once they start talking, start cursing, they can lock them up for anything. There was two minorities leaning against the wall. They weren't doing anything, and my sergeant ordered me to write them blocking pedestrian traffic. If you're a certain ethnicity standing on the corner, lieutenants, sergeants, they have no problem searching you, violating your rights, and racial profiling. There was one statement that the sergeant said about what he used to do. He used to stop a guy walking down the street with baggy pants and his underwear hanging out. 
and he just stopped him. He said, I know he's probably up to nothing, but I just stopped him anyway just to get a 250. It's this one cop that everybody and everybody in the neighborhood know. Stopped us like three times already. Like he was like, now nah, come in. So they got out the car. They threw my they threw my friend on the car. I'm still walking. He spun me around and punched me in my stomach. Started just patting us down and they just left us there. What we're trying to do is is make certain that it's it's done as professionally as possible. That, uh, you know, proper respect to shown, and done according to the law. This goes all the way up, all the way up to commissioner's office, I'd say even the mayor's office, where they're trying to be proactive and say, look, we're stopping people, we're getting drugs and guns off the streets. But it's not. I think it's of, of the 600,000 people that were stopped last year, only 1% of those that were stopped were carrying weapons. Controversial stop and frisk policy. NYPD program known as stop and frisk. Also, last year, New York police officers stopped and interrogated people nearly 686,000 times. The public isn't aware of what's happening, but everything is being looked at as far as numbers, and it's a numbers game. Okay, what did you get last year? Well, you have to match it and give me more this year. Everybody. 
what happens to the officer if, if they don't do what the police department tells them to do as far as these quotas, they will come after you. Come after you meaning transfers, give you low evaluations. They give you unwanted assignments. Put you in a post which is very dangerous, high crime, by yourself, in a corner. This is a form of retaliation. Basically, a change of tours, put you on the midnight. They make you look bad on paperwork, and that paperwork will trail you for the rest of your police career. And knowing that your livelihood's at stake, you meet the quota. It does create this feeling of, hey, listen, I gotta get my numbers. When you put that pressure on the officer, this us versus them mentality does exist. When I came into this police department, I wanted to help people. But the civilian population, they're being hunted. Instead of being protected by us, they're being hunted and we're being hated. The police department is pushing the new guys to be bounty hunters. And I use that word because that's exactly what it is. They're hunting. There's a lot of officers who are fed up and want to do something about it, and there's people who are scared. There's a lot of officers that would like to tell their story, but nobody wants to hear the truth. Nobody wants to hear the, the bad. We need police, but the police department needs to change things. At one point, I did want to be a cop to help people and mostly just, like, be able to wear a badge and a uniform and be proud of it, but now it's feel like I'm not sure because they're not there to help people anymore. They're just there to like stop them, humiliate them, make them feel bad. There's no excuses for the way they're treating me. This one individual was thinking about doing NYPD. The first thing I told him is definitely not. This job, racial profiles, will force you to do things that you don't want to do. We're supposed to be the best in the world. We're the best at making money, and we're the best at arresting and summonsing everybody. And during the same period of this report, 
88% of all stops and frisks did not result in an arrest or a summons being given. Any policy which is based, I mean, officers' definitions of suspicious, reasonable suspicion vary so widely, and it gives this law power to individual cops to stop and frisk according to their own biases, their own opinions, their own stereotypical fantasies. I mean, the report in the New York Times study indicated that the stop and frisk policy between 2006 and 2010 Cited reasons for stops varied from furtive movement, 44.1% of all stops, fits description, 16.7%, and listen to this, other, 20.2%, all of which were reasons which are very general and very subjective. And what I'm asking you tonight, and we still have some time to take your call, Three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. What is our responsibility for this these bounty programs where they're essentially hunting freed black people on the streets of our country? Do you know of any incidents? I described some weeks back. Uh, stop and frisk on the street of Boston that I got involved with by recruiting the people who were walking by this situation where a young black man was being held up against a wall of a building by two undercover police officers. And they were trying to search him without a warrant he was resisting. They, the aggression by the police officers was escalating by the second. I gathered up all the people with cell phones and said, start recording, start videoing. And while everybody, about 65 people that I had gotten to come over to this incident in the middle of the street, um, <clears throat> while they were recording and videoing, I was uh, trying to get the young man to calm down and to not resist because these police officers were about to do the great in-the-sun beatdown by the time four Boston Police Department cruisers arrived and four bicycle officers arrived on the scene. I said to one of the black officers, listen, this didn't have to happen this way. And I advised his friends to make sure that they kept their recording and they kept uh, their recording and kept in touch. They did arrest the young man. But, I mean, they were just being unnecessarily rough. He wasn't trying to flee. I don't know why he was stopped. It looked like a stop and frisk downtown in downtown Boston to me. And I got involved and 
I guess they were getting ready to, one of the police officers said to me, ma'am, you need to step back and move away. And I said, Mr. Police Officer, you need to get out of my face. This is a public street. So um, this is a real problem. And if we expect that our children are going to believe the fantasies that we feed them about being an American and being in the Obama fantasy, then we have to take responsibility for this because as the as the statistics indicate, these people don't feel that they have to have a reason. These are people who bring to their jobs the same kind of stereotypical, iconic fantasies about black America ruining America. I mean, you hear it, you hear them talking about it with the president. One of the reasons that they hate this president is so much is because none of them believe that any black person is worthy of being the leader of their America. That is why it is so important for under, us to understand what they're talking about when they talk about they want their country back. They want their country back to free your black ass. Let me just put it that way, because this is our common ground, and that's the way we put it. So <clears throat> we have to begin to take responsibility. We should be looking at civilian review boards in every city in this country. And we should be ensuring that that civilian review board of the police department has people who will be willing to sit there and speak truth to power to have the cultural competencies to look at the policies that we're putting in place and we're putting in, in place in the name of the war on drugs and the war on the Muslims and the war on the Middle East and the war on Iran and the George Bush fear blanket that was laid against this country for eight years. And now we are giving permission based upon that fear to become a society where individual rights have no place. Have no place. And if you think because you have a job and you have an automobile and you can make mortgage payments and car payments and credit card payments and that sets you aside, it's our common ground, and I'm telling you, it does not. Because your children, even if they're wearing denims from the Gap and shirts from Neiman's with the little polo thing on it, their faces are black and their heads are nappy and they are targets. This political landscape in which we are caught in its matrix 
has given people in this country the permission to act out on their racial hatred, disdain, resentment. I was looking at a picture of President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama, and they obviously were waiting to be introduced at an event, and they were backstage behind the curtains. And there, it's a triage picture, three pictures, a trio, and you catch Michelle making faces and doing something in the photo funny. He's laughing. She's doing it more in the second one, looking as elegant as ever. You could see a modern-day contemporary black queen. And then in the third one, he's so tickled he can hardly provide, give her the kiss, but he does. I looked at that picture very, very closely, and there is so much joy, so much of what they try to sell as the American perfection in this picture with the exception that the faces are black and I know where the resentment, the disdain, and the hatred comes from. The Berthas and the writers and the whoever-ers that have just risen up out of the concrete to seize our very lives, to seize our very selves, and to demolish and eliminate our place. Place is such an important thing in the life of any human being. And we really need to understand what perpetuates what, you know, it's not just voter suppression, and I thank Stephen C. for his call tonight, and it's so good to talk with him again. It's not just voter suppression or voter rights. It's not just redistricting. It's not just stealing the vote, which we're going to be dealing with here at Our Common Ground, because that's the next thing. It's not just what has what is said in a debate. It's not whether the president was aggressive or failed to fall down and go to sleep in the first debate. It's not that Joe Biden smirked or laughed or smiled or schooled Paul Ryan. It is about what is happening in the places where we live where we eat, where we work, and where we Thank you so very much for being with us at Our Common Ground tonight. We'll see you here, right here, every Saturday, 10 p.m. I'm Janice Graham, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Thank you for being here with us at Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and for me... And for my co-host, Alpha of the Alpha Show, we appreciate your listenership and your loyalty. We'll see you next week, 10 p.m., here on Our Common Ground.